Welcome to Reptile Fight Club. We are back. I am back in the country, and uh, we are back together to record Reptile Fight Club. What is going on, Mr. Not much. I'm just sitting in the back of the fight bus. (laughs) Sitting in the back of the fight bus. That's right. We're back. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, Life going well? Yeah. Not bad, man. Just, uh, you know. Living, living with teenagers, good times. Holy oh, shit! Yeah. Oh my god! Oh yeah, so. that's uh, that is uh, very good times. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I'm I'm yeah. there with you. And I know you. I know you've been there. Been there yeah. for a while. This is not new news to you. You're no. like, yeah, talking old hat to Chuck. It doesn't make it easier though. I can't say that no. I've, I've like each kid is different. So yeah. Yep. Every, and it's like, that's exactly, uh, that's exactly right. Like you, you, you couldn't have hit it on the, the head any better than that, <laughs> but then so. they get through it and then it's, yeah. then it's yeah. fun again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess today I thought we'd just kind of catch up a bit. Um, I'd talk about the, the trips I've been on lately and then, uh, we maybe fight a little bit. At the cool. end, <laughs> I figured I figured we'd be letting you do most of the talking today, since you obviously have been out doing fun, adventurous things, and I have not. So, um. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I apologize. I hope this. No, is- you're good. I I wasn't going to yeah. lead very hard with anything I was doing because I know you got stuff to say. Well, I mean, no, there's always time for you to talk about your stuff as well, but. <laughs> There's not, I, I guess the uh, the first uh, trip was the Tinley trip. Uh, got to get back to Tinley. We did the Gecko Symposium. Um, Russ Gurley and Nick Esposito put that on and did a fantastic job. Got some really good speakers. Um, aside from me, of course, but yeah, it was uh, it was really good to hear hear all the stuff that was going on there. Um, probably one of the highlights was. Um, uh, the announcement of a new species of new Caledonian gecko that was partially aquatic. Um, kind of a cool thing. He talked about how they found it, how they went out and, you know, um, searched for uh, this, this species or, or type of gecko that somebody had found and described to them. And, and they said, that doesn't sound like anything we know about. And so they went to where the guy was and found a, found one or two on one occasion they found one and it was uh it dove into the water and uh like swam away and it has like partially webbed feet and stuff so that was uh um pretty cool and uh of course you know my brain is slow (laughs) it's kind of early morning here but uh, i uh i'm trying to think of the name but um (laughs) gosh uh john DeBoer. Uh, from Pangea Reptiles is is who presented on that. He was a really cool guy. It was it was neat to meet him, and uh, he's I think one of the head guys there at Pangea and runs runs that place. So, um, but he's also doing a PhD and and uh, researching geckos at the same time. So nice. kind of a good uh, mix there. But there's some other uh, great. The one was on nutrition, and I one of the big takeaways I had. So he compared a bunch of wild. This was Mark Finky or Fink, um, <laughs> however you pronounce his last name. But he, he talked about like the um, vitamin contents of various wild caught insects versus commercially bred. Now, I think I, I take it a little bit with a grain of salt because he had a product that he was comparing, you know, things with to show that his gut loaded bugs were 
we're good and you know that kind of thing so i, I guess you you know anytime tr- somebody's trying to sell something then yeah <laughs> yeah but but it was really interesting i mean you know he he just looked at the uh, um, nutrient content of wild insects and that's kind of what stood out to me but one thing was that uh he took some wild grasshoppers and showed their vitamin d levels were through the roof like they had huge mm-hmm. vitamin d which makes sense because they mm-hmm. basically just sit out in the sun, sun and then it, yeah yeah compared to like a cricket or a commercially yeah. bred uh, grasshopper they had like zero vitamin d so i thought that was really interesting you know and uh yeah. you know reason we supplement or maybe stick your bugs outside for in the sun for a half hour or something but that was pretty cool um siri ducker talked about um Toke gecko behavior and showed some really cool videos of her tokes like guard like when they're and angry and <laughs> no not so much that's easy oh. to see right this yeah, is like i feel like that's like <laughs> yeah she was setting up videos in their hides and showing like um like when the babies would hatch out they'd kind of go by the adults and it was it kind of like familial Got you. Uh, re- relationships and tokes it was re- pretty cool but the the little babies would like wave their tails around you know it's kind of <laughs> i don't know like to say it's it's me I don't i'm know. over it's, here it don't need me yeah and uh yeah a lot of a lot of great so i i really like frank colachico he gives some really exciting kind of motivating talks he talked about herping the um eastern arabia and and the stuff he found out there so kind of fun but a lot of good, a lot of good stuff. Um, yeah, some, a lot of scientists, there were probably th- three or four, five of us that were PhDs or will be PhD soon. So <laughs> kind of cool. Um, a lot of science he talked to, uh, Tony Gamble talked about some genetic stuff. So that was <clears throat> pretty neat. He's doing, uh, research on gecko genetics because geckos are such a diverse basal group of reptiles. So it's kind of cool. Um, Lots of good talks. I don't know if you uh, got to see um, Dr. Booth, Warren Booth was there. So I got to meet him in person and um, Zach Lofman, Dr. Zach, got to meet him. Zach, Zach as, as Lucas calls him. <laughs> Maybe not to his face. No, not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that man, was a man. funny slip up, but. Um, anyway, yeah, it was good to, good to meet them in person, got Zach's book and got him to sign it. So that was cool. Um, really great guys. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny when you meet somebody in person for the first time, you know, for, for Warren, I was, I don't know why, but I expected him to be a little taller. And so I was kind of looking up here and then I, you know, he comes up, we're kind of face to face and he's like, Oh, you. And I'm like, Oh, you, you know, how dare you look down on Warren Booth, Justin? <laughs> well, dare I'm you. a little taller than him. Sorry. That was a short joke, Warren. <laughs> we love you. So, <laughs> But you know, it's uh, it was great to uh, Dustin Gron was there, oh, yeah. Brandon. Um, so we got to hang out with those guys again. We just herped with them, you know, a couple weeks earlier. So mm-hmm. good to always good to hang out with those guys, and they had a fun crew that they were rolling with. So we had like dinner with them a few nights, and yeah, Dustin's the man. It's it's cool. uh, so. Um, lots of cool reptiles at the show. They had I I ended up. Uh, doing something um doing a thing you did i did a thing you you? always do a thing i know you're a thing doer sir i got me a pair of asper that's (laughs) a cool thing yeah it's a 
cool, cool gecko for sure. So, um, this was uh secret laboratory geckos. He had some really cool stuff. He had some chameleon geckos for sale. I was really tempted on these too. Mm-hmm. They're neat looking. So I've seen these in uh, Queensland, but I have not seen Asper in the wild. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, what do you do? Okay. How do I get to, okay, there we go. We're back figuring out the controls here. So yeah, man, you're doing good. You're doing good. But yeah, really fun show. I, I had to leave on, uh, I think, I don't know. One of the coolest things was hanging out with Russ Gurley. He's yeah. just, he is just it's fun. The yeah. man, like, I don't yeah. know. That guy has so much knowledge and so he's been around and doing this for forever. So he, yeah. you know, he knows so many players in the hobby, but he's really <laughs> just a humble, nice guy. Like just, you can't yeah. find a better guy. In I mean, I don't know Russ that well. I met him that one time when we were at super yeah. show and, mm-hmm. uh, or does it super? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just totally. I agree. I mean, like, yeah. you know, just exactly what you said. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he's probably forgotten more than I know. So, yeah, just and, and we got to hang out with him all weekend, you know, got a few dinners with him and stuff. So it was really cool hanging out with him. So now I, now I really want to get one of his skulls, but Heidi's not really a fan. <laughs> not a fan, huh? Like, not hanging creepy. in the house, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, no. So, not next to I the bedroom. Yeah, I can. No? I might get away with it in the den. So, <laughs> you don't want something yeah. with large, large tusks hanging out of the nose, staring yeah. at you in the middle of the night across exactly. the bedroom. Yeah. Go if you haven't now. seen his, uh, I think it's forgotten tribal skulls or forgotten skulls, forgotten culture, something like for, something yeah. forgotten. But look up Russ Gurley. You can find yeah. it. It's yeah. It's really cool stuff. Amazing stuff. Amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, always good to catch up with, uh, Phil Tramper. He's got some really good reptiles. So it was fun to, uh, chat with him and, you know, share some stories, but he had some really nice, uh, um, Alpine blue tongues, um, that were, that he was selling at, um, his booth. So, uh, here's a shot of one of those, but nice. he had two, he had, uh, Alpine as well as Lowland locality. So, um, pretty cool to, to uh you know see his he's yeah, just like got a stuff. really good wealth of stuff oh there's a little hey, sack. sack loafman so, <laughs> yeah that was that was cool to meet him in person so um but yeah i i uh enjoyed chatting with phil and told you know i guess that leads to the next part is uh australia so i was going to be in the range of the blue tongues the alpine blue tongues so that was Kind of one of the goals was to find that was one of the those. targets. So, yeah, a little teaser for later, I suppose. But so I, I had to leave Tinley on Saturday, so I didn't stay for Sunday and all the craziness with the auction and that kind of stuff. I guess uh, Adeline got married on the yeah. In was, the was that this? Thing, so. Oh, that was like uh, at the show. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. got married at the at the the uh, the auction. You know, the big auction that they do. So. I don't know that I've ever gone to that, but <laughs> yeah. I, I know, just I, remember I just remember the auction from Anaheim uh NARBC. Yeah. Where it was just drunk and loud and crazy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, great great setting for a wedding, right? <laughs> yeah, man. I was just well, I mean somebody's gonna get drunk and, and give a speech. So yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think like that's keeping in with the tradition of of, of the, the auction. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure like people toned it down. They, they've oh, yeah. got, a, you know, they're kind of legends there at Tinley. So uh, that's a good way to die is screw up a wedding, in, you know, some, uh, uh, 
somebody's wedding. Yeah. Right. <laughs> especially, especially the bride's wedding. That's uh-huh. a good way to die. Yeah. So you don't want to be acting up at the auction. If there's a, there's a wedding going on, you don't want yep. to be that guy. That's for sure. But yeah, so I, I missed out on that, but I, I, I met so many cool people there. It was and good to see some old faces as well. Uh, I, you see you know, very many West coast faces other than the ones you mentioned. Um, like Todd, does Todd, or Todd or Carrie? No, I didn't see or, Todd no, or Carrie. No, no. I, I, yeah, I don't know how active they are anymore. And yeah, I know. I don't, in general, yeah, I don't know. Um, saw some faces from Carpet Fest. Uh, met some kind of pioneer guys. Met some really cool, cool people. Um, so that was yeah, a lot of fun. Were they like um, the original pilgrims or? <laughs> um, you were you said they were pioneers. I just was wondering, like, how early of a settler were they? Yeah, some some were pretty early pioneers. Yeah, okay. were, I'm trying to uh, like Puritans like Don um, uh, Meeker. Don Meeker. Okay, he goes way back. You know, yeah. He, so it was really cool to meet him and his son Justin was there as well. So I got to meet those two. And Don is just a wealth of information. Keeps a lot of cool stuff. But so that was really neat to, to meet him, um, chat with him. Um, Johnny racks. He's, he's that, uh, John, he's kind of a newer guy coming up, but he's got like a great collection of, uh, shingleback skinks and nice, really cool guy. Nice guy. I kept bringing people up to meet him. <laughs> I'd meet somebody that kept blue tongue or, or shinglebacks. And I'd be like, Hey, you got to meet this guy. So he's like, why do you keep bringing me all these people? Yeah. <laughs> Brought Don, Don Meeker over to him as well. Um, but yeah, it was, it was cool to, to meet him in person. Cause after I, I saw his video on Gary's, uh, uh YouTube, I, called him you know I'm like because he keeps western blue tongues mm-hmm. and, and a mm-hmm. bunch of shinglebacks just like right up my alley so i'm like i gotta gotta chat with this guy and meet him but yeah it was it was cool um and then um cow my my brain does not function <laughs> with names for some reason but um just just a lot of good people i'm probably forgetting forgetting some key names here but um, i guarantee it uh yeah yeah you'd, you'd take that bet for sure right? i would okay if i was a gambling man i know i've got a problem but then it was uh then i mean seriously like two two or three days back home after tinley and then it was off to australia so the the flight uh was delayed quite a bit. So we sat on the plane for a few hours before we actually took off. Um, I, although, so I, I flew into LA, but it was a separate, so it wasn't attached onto my trip, you know? So basically mm-hmm. I had to get my bags and check them out right. and that kind of stuff again, but it was all right. It, so you foot the bill travel. Well, no, they, they actually, uh, the Hawksbury Herb Society flew me out. So Colin, well, but it, for the long leg of the flight, no, no, both of them. He, both he of them. Re- okay. Yeah, he reimbursed me okay. for the flight to LA, but it oh, saved cool. saved overall like several yeah. hundred dollars to do it that way. So, but yeah, sat in the plane for a while, but there was, I mean, I got there plenty of time and then the pl- flight was delayed. So it wasn't like, you know, I was just kind of hanging around LAX for several hours and then sitting on the plane for a few hours and then flying for f- very many, many hours. Yeah. But, I don't know. I guess going over there, you're always so excited to get there. You don't really care, you know? And, and when I got, got there, you know, Colin had been waiting a while to, to pick me up. So, um, you know, it's kind of another one of those things where you've talked with somebody on, on the phone or, or 
you know, through chat and then you meet, you, you go out and you're kind of looking now, do I know what he looks like? You know, kind of vaguely from pictures or something. And, Oh, there, you know, that must be him mm-hmm. sitting there. So, Is that you? Is that you <laughs> kind of thing? You know? So then we uh, took off and went right um, uh, out to, to herp and to go or meet some people. So, um, oh, man, I should have prepared for this better, but <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the names kind of thing, but you know, you'd think I'd, I'd remember a little better, but, um, we went and met, uh, renowned turtle researcher. He's written, written the book on, uh, uh John can, uh, he wrote the book on Australian turtles. So got to go sit in his, his uh, dining room and chat with him and his wife. And I mean, he's like, um, 85, you know, yeah. and, and just wealth of knowledge, like really a bright guy. And it was, cool. it was really cool to meet him and chat with him. And uh, he even had some copies of my book that he had me sign. It was kind of like, wait a second, this is kind of backwards, you know, <laughs> I should be having you sign a book for me. But, um, and then we went over, um, and did some, some snake catching with, uh, Andrew Melrose. He's a licensed snake catcher out in, in that area, in Sydney area. And mm-hmm. so, and while we were hanging out with him, we, we went and saw his collection and he hadn't, uh, uh, really want, you know, a, a noteworthy snake that I was really excited to see. So let me bring up a picture of that thing. Um, it was quite a thrill to finally have one in hand. Can you guess? I'm sure you probably can. Um, where is the picture, though? There we go. I apologize. You have to see my ugly mug, but God, I need to get smoother at this. I don't know how Eric does it so quickly. <laughs> I'm like fumbling around here. But got to hold an Owen Pelly python. <laughs> that was Look at that uh, face. Yeah. <laughs> a little happy. I, I look like a douche with my hat backwards, but that was, uh, because it was shadowing my face and they're like, turn your hat around so we can see your happy face. But yeah, it was a pretty big thrill to, to be able to see a, an Owen Pelly and, uh, hold an Owen Pelly. <laughs> and I guess, uh, Andrew's the only one in New South Wales that has them privately. So that was pretty cool. There's, there's Andrew's a, back there. This this is Andrew. This he has a pair of them or what? Um, he's got, uh, he, yeah, I, well, I can't remember. I mean, is that how they do the, I mean, he has, does he have a, have a permit for it or a license for yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, so he, yeah. Do they permit per animal or per, how, how I don't remember. I'm not sure. Like yeah. I, I thought he had a pair, but I could be wrong. Maybe. I mean, I know, I know the permit is yeah. different from area to area. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of established that, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. All from right. state to state. And this yeah. is Colin, uh, South. So he's the one that brought me over and, and all that good stuff. So he put nice. me up in the, the uh, local rugby club's uh, hotel. So that was uh, pretty cool. The Sex Panthers. <laughs> the Penrith Panthers. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> you look hilarious in that picture. You look <laughs> yeah. like an American. I, f- I feel like if, if that backpack strap was suspenders, yeah, it would have been perfect. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't really think this picture through, man. Oh, wow. There it went. Oh, hey, oh, hey, this is, I got a couple of things to say. All of a sudden the picture disappears. All right, I'm not a 15 year old girl. I don't know how to take selfies that well. Right. <laughs> I oh, do I don't know. It looked good to me. Wow. <laughs> Oh, I think boy. you should post that for everyone. 
Uh, well, um, the, so there was, it was cool to, so while, while we were hanging out with Andrew at his place, he got some calls. And so he's like, you want to go out and, and, you know, release some or catch some snakes and release some snakes and things. And I'm like, heck yeah. So went out and, uh, went to a call, but we couldn't find the snake. You know, they had this really well-planted yard. It was really beautiful yard and, and just so many places for a snake to hide. Yeah. They, they'd seen a red belly black, uh, just cruising around the yard. So we're looking for it and didn't, didn't find it. So then we went and released some stuff. He had a diamond Python that we released and, and, uh, that was probably a, a highlight of the releases yeah. there, but also a red belly black. So we released this big red belly black and, um, we, we let it, I, he he had me release it or whatever. So I, you know, was going up into the bag. So I tailed it and kind of pulled it out of the bag and let it slide down this little Creek bed. And then it stopped and just sat and drank water for a while. So that was really cool to see. Um, I think I, if I haven't posted a video of that on my YouTube page, I'll do that soon. But um, I've been releasing uh, videos on my YouTube, uh, JG Julander. Um, so yeah just one, one a week on Friday or whatever I call it, herping shorts. So check it out if you haven't seen it, <laughs> little shameless plug there. But so I've been putting up uh, the Australia videos, put out a bearded dragon one uh, on Friday, this last Friday. So, um, so we, we released those, released a couple tree snakes um, and a yellow faced whip snake. So I got to, you know, I'd seen all, all of those in the wild before, but, you know, always good to put a diamond back in the, in the wild. And it was one that he'd taken out of somebody's yard or something. And we, we released them, you know, in the same area that they came from, but down in some, you know, protected bushland that was pretty extensive. And he actually grew up, uh, up the hill from there. So it was kind of cool to, you know, see his old stomping grounds. He knew all the little, uh, areas of this, uh, place that you know behind where he grew up so it was kind of cool uh, he's like releasing he's like releasing back into his old stomping ground so he can just like hurt those yeah. areas and find all the cool shit that he let go there exactly yeah if i ever went back to that area that's where i'd be herping because that's where yeah. all the releases go so it's kind of cool exactly yeah um then i you know i really should have taken notes that would have made this go so much smoother preparation right but I'm, I'm an idiot. So yeah, that almost sounds like a job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is not a, not a job. That's right. Um, It's not a job. (laughs) And we went out to the Nuragingi reserve, the Ginge, um, Ginge. uh, Wayne keys. Uh, he, he was kind of one of those wild men, you know, like he had the, the Aussie hat and all that kind of stuff. I, I guess we did. I did a little herping the night before, uh, or actually it was birding. (laughs) Uh, mixed with birding. birding birding was kind of the primary goal there we uh i i uh went out with uh matt uh, vela to go see a a wedge-tailed eagle nest so yeah it was kind of quite the hike you know we got up on this uh bluff overlooking the nest it was in this huge tree kind of standing alone and there was a chick in the nest a wedge-tailed eagle chick so that was pretty pretty cool to see Okay, so we uh, we got to see the the wedge-tailed eagle nest and a few uh, different skinks, water skinks, and um, whites skinks, and let's see, there were a couple others. I think we saw one of the uh, um, Migurnia there, but man, I again should have made some notes, right? But 
Um, but it was cool, really cool place, um, out, out in the mountains, the blue mountains. And so really neat to get back into the, into the wild and see some cool stuff. We saw some neat birds out there as well, which I'm sure everybody's excited to hear about. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, really cool place. Um, oh, we saw Cunninghams, just one, got a brief glimpse of one. Um, and, uh, copper tailed skinks were out there as well. We chased one around quite a bit. We're unable to, uh, secure that one. Actually, we didn't catch any of these. We just kind of took pictures from afar. I, I think this goes back to the hands-on versus hands-off herping. And I'm just kind of a more of a hands-off herper. So we're just throwing that out there. There we go. I just, yeah, that's, uh, it also matches up well with the legalities in Australia, right? <laughs> not, not supposed to handle stuff. Throwing um, that out there too. Yeah. And then, and then that night we went and saw a bower bird nest. I don't know if you've seen those, but they make kind of a little tunnel of sticks and then they have uh, like, they decorate it with different colored pieces of plastic or whatever. Are they're, they big birds or little birds or they're, you know, kind of medium size. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're kind of cool looking too, but the males will make these little, you know, stick nests tunnels and then put the the plastic well i guess i can just show a picture of it <laughs> what am i what am i describing for but um i like was, the description you could just you could tell me about it go. if you want there you go yeah <laughs> yeah okay but yeah it was it was uh it was kind of a neat neat thing and you know we didn't see the bower bird itself so here's here's where we saw the um the eagle nest up on top of this hill here uh and we, you know, had to cross a river to, to get over there, but, um, really a beautiful, beautiful scenery there. There was a big, uh, lake and, you know, or, or this was part of the river, kind of a little, uh, lake that had formed there on one of the bends in the river. Really pretty, some neat birds around there. This is a nice little flat rock spider. They're kind of creepy little things, but yeah, I guess I could probably turn off the the volume there, but, um, they call child molesters rock spiders or something in, in oh Australia. So, <laughs> yeah. That's the nickname because they're kind of slinky and move over to the side like that, but this is its eggs, egg sack. So that's kind of crazy. Um, but weird little wow. spiders. So here's fun. the, here's the bowerbird nest. You can see, you know, that stick oh, okay. and then all the pieces of plastic. Did I describe it enough? You know, no, not at all. That was horrible. Through? That was a <laughs> shitty description. Honestly, I, I, that was left field from what yeah, I was thinking. This is completely different. From yeah. This is like a this. vertical nest almost yeah. versus like a, like, oh, like the gotcha, whole, gotcha. rather than, rather the whole being, uh, you know, orientated horizontally, it's orientated vertically. Here, I mean, you so. can check the tape. I did say like a ton. No, no, no. So, I, I, know, I, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> but it, what was kind of we have the trans. We have the transcripts. There were a couple uh, used condoms that were kind of oh, yellow colored. Man. So he had. Well, at least they're practicing safe sex. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and uh, but mostly blue stuff, but a few little yellow, disgusting things. So, yeah, <laughs> interesting, but more. Uh, Pictures of the Owen Pelly, of course. Um, but yeah, so then um, on to the the uh, Nuragingi, um place. And this was kind of one of the highlights, even though the animals had dispersed. But this is a termite uh, laced monitor nest. Oh. Yeah. So this, uh, 
he's got some video. Is that, is that a tree? Uh, a it is a termite tree? mound. Yeah. Termite okay. It's a termite mound. Yeah. Okay. This is the termite mound next to a, a tree here. Okay. And, I, see, I uh, see the tree in the background. I wasn't sure if like the, when it looked like it might've been like part of the, I don't know. I was, yeah. So this is where the, uh, where the lace monitors hatched out, but he has footage of like five of them in the mouth of the sticking out the hole there. That's cool. Yeah, just kind of hanging out. And he's, um, posted videos on, on YouTube of, of that, of the, and they live in there. They, they, they were, you know, they yeah. occupy that currently or they, is that like, a- well, no, I think they've dispersed, but they stay yeah. in the nest for a few days after they hatch and kind of, they were really wary, you know, just kind of looking at was that, was that something out. that's like, um, you I was hoping you'll, you'll see him there every year or I don't know. Like, I think the female, so he said this, this hole wasn't there. So hmm, she's thinking that so maybe she, he's thinking that she's digging another nest. He's actually holding a handful of hatched eggs. So gotcha. kind of cool. Um, but uh, that, that were just around the nest site. So yeah. Yeah. Just kind of here on the ground, you can see the little eggshells or whatever. So I don't yeah. know if she's digging another nest and like, I mean, you know, that she might be laying another nest or another female is laying there or something. But yeah, kind of cool to see an active uh, lace monitor nest site. Yeah, that is kind cool. of an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some oh, flowers. Oh, yeah, flowers. flowers. This was kind of a nasty little like thorn thing, is <laughs> all, yeah. you know, pokey and stuff, but kind of cool looking. Um, is that, yeah. is that a, like a, a flower off of a tree? Yeah, that, yeah, that thorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some really amazing uh, gum trees and things. Yeah. Um, the next day, Colin took me to this spot overlooking the river, kind of in the Penrith area. We were looking for more uh, Cunningham skinks, but there were there was like a religious group filming like a video with like some you know uh, analogy of of the path and the you know the climb and stuff. So they were so I don't know if they disturbed all the the lizards and stuff there, but it was a really nice spot other than not seeing any, um, kind of uh, any, any, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, kind of a cool place. So there's the, uh, the typical American hanging out. Uh, what a wanker. Uh, all right. <laughs> then I hiked a little further and went down this gully and, uh, nice. That looks yeah. like a fun little, it was, it was really cool. Like really yeah. beautiful scenery there. So nice. How nice stable rock. are those rocks? I mean, it depends on which one you're standing on, but for the most yeah. part, yeah, it's pretty for sure. Uh, I mean, I can see one's pretty safe, but like, man, I could see you totally stepping on one of those and it just fucking crumbling out from under you. (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't have that happen. Thank goodness. But yeah, it was there, there, you know, sandstone cliffs. This is kind of like typical diamond python habitat. Oh, meat pies, mate. Gotta tell you, gotta, gotta eat a meat pie while you're over there. This is a good one too. Yeah. Um, oh, don't what the hell? I gotta <laughs> cut that out, <laughs> Eric. Can you please delete that one? What I forgot heck? that was in there. <laughs> I had to take a picture of the credit card for Heidi. Um, and then this is kind of an overlook from the, the mountains. Uh, um, then we went up to uh, this uh, air up in the Blue Mountains, up kind of the which, higher elevation. Which street did you go down? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. we went all over. The place. I do remember shit. at one point we went over Duck Malloy because I thought that was pretty funny. Duck and, Malloy. Uh, our old uh, buddy, uh, Nick. My Mutton Falls. Mutton Falls. <laughs> Get the freaking heck out of here. <laughs> yeah, we did not go to Mutton Falls, but <laughs> yeah. 
So this, this, we were up in the Highlands. We went looking for Australian copperheads and this is, uh, Rob, uh, Ambrose. Um, so, uh, <laughs> gosh, um, Andrew Melrose and Rob Ambrose were both there with us, and they call those guys the Rose Brothers or the Rose Boys or something because right. they're Melrose and Ambrose. But um, so this is Rob Ambrose catching a, a copperhead, <laughs> so to to show us, and he got it by the tail, but he also ended up in the creek, so he nice. had a wet foot the rest of the day. But he was pretty intense, Herper man. This I guy was going to say it sounds like deal, it yeah. sounds like he's the type of man who doesn't mind getting his feet wet. Yeah, and that beard that beard reeks of of uh, of of professional herper right there. Oh yeah, yeah, he had quite the beard. It was uh, yeah, he was he was very entertaining, but just like laser focused herping, yeah. you know, not thinking about anything else, you know. And then there were just these uh, um, wombat burrows everywhere, like just giant wombat burrows. You could crawl into that pretty easily. You know, wombats are pretty good sized, Um, but they just, yeah, dig these giant tunnels everywhere. And it was pretty crazy. Um, And then here's Rob with a brown snake or no, sorry, a tiger snake. So Mm. he he caught a tiger. Unfortunately was in shed, but uh, it was uh, by the tail. Yeah. He caught the tiger by the tail. So that was uh a nice day of herping. Um, How are those we, to handle? Are the tigers pretty feisty? Can um, be. They they can be. I think like they're. Um, this one was in shed. Like he let it go, and it just kind of crawled or like around us. It could have easily have taken a detour and and bit somebody, but mm-hmm. it just you know crawled around, went right for its hole. You know, went down its burrow. So it was not you know no not like a brown from, not yeah, like a brown snake like, that'll stand there and. Yeah, I mean, Kinda. stand its ground, or yeah. even a brown snake. They'll, is they'll run. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They're not. But, yeah, it was a really pretty area, and then we uh, we stopped and took some pictures of the uh, the copperhead and stuff like that. So, um, how does the Australian copperhead and the American copperhead? I was kind of hoping I'd get to see a picture of it, but are they- yeah, here you go. Thank you. Well, pff, dang, I guess I just need to ask. And yeah, I shall receive. This is cool. the Australian copperhead. And I, you know, I, I took quite a few pictures, but um, really pretty snakes. I mean, they don't they don't really resemble the American copperheads at all. Not at right? all. You've got this uh, kind of uh, really, I don't know, it was almost like a that red color just kind of shown through that copper color. And I think that's where they get the name, you know, from that copper color, I think. Um, but that would, it was kind of like iridescence, right? It would kind mm-hmm. of shine through. And then they had a yellow belly and, and kind of the stripes along the neck and they, they'd flare out their neck like a cobra, you know, that kind of thing. So it was there. So they're, they're a lapids then. They are lapids, yeah. Okay. But I love that face pattern, yeah, the striping. Cool, man, that's it's a cool, a cool looking, snake. Yeah, yeah. Kind of so, has like the, kind of has like the, the striking face, like um, like a white face uh, or a black face white lip does. You know, kinda yeah, yeah. Juxtapose scaling that's like really mm-hmm. cool looking. Yeah, yeah. And I like that side, that that like double side racing stripe that kind of uh-huh. has like the tan and then the kind of the. Yep. That's pretty cool. Yeah. They were neat snakes. They, they also yeah. call them superb snakes. That's another what name. What do they call them? Herb? Superb. Superb. <laughs> superb. The superb snake. So, huh. Interesting. Yeah. 
Okay. But yeah, it was it was a, a cool cool experience to see this and um, that kind of yeah to interesting to add a new you know a new species uh, that I haven't seen before to the list kind of yeah get a, get a lifer there and in that habitat but here's another neat neat shot of it let's see um gosh dang there we go oh yeah. that is a good shot dang. Cool <laughs> i like that yeah so i was that your, i was pretty it, geeked out did you take that yeah yeah this nice. is just oh, this that's is just another on, good one too man just on my iphone you know like, you're kidding me oh, yeah. that looks fantastic yeah it's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So, yeah, neat, neat snake. That was probably yeah. the highlight of the day was seeing seeing the the superb yeah. snake. Superb know. snake. Yeah, and then, you know we walked around quite a bit, and those were it was a little cooler. So the whole trip was kind of plagued by colder weather. Cold, and, yeah, yeah, and and it was uh, on the definitely on the cool side there, and so we we only saw the two snakes, but hey, we got both of the targets that we were looking for, so that was cool. We did see. That's good few water skinks and another kind of little uh, skinks around but pretty much those were the only um, snakes that we saw mm-hmm. here's another but yeah they're just a just a you know really fun to herp with those guys and to see some of this stuff and and get out you know see the get to add a couple new species to the list so tiger and, and superb snake or Australian copperhead yeah cool stuff nice um, we, we then went to this, uh, tin spot, but it was like in this, uh, field with a fence. And so you weren't, I think you weren't technically supposed to be on the land, you know, it's was, it was a little bit of trespassing, but we jumped the fence and, and flipped the tin. It was just a bunch of tin everywhere and, uh, found some cool stuff. Uh, Rob found, flipped a, a baby, uh, copperhead. So we saw a little cool little tiny copperhead and, um, got, got to check that out. So they're, they're, you know, a little bit different looking when they're babies, but not, not quite so black and they're a little lighter colored and had <coughs> a little more copper color in them. So kind of a cool thing, but. And Jordan's yeah. with, with you, right? Not at this point. This was not all yet. in New okay. South Wales. So yeah. Oh, okay. So yet. he hadn't met up yeah. with you guys yet. Okay. You can see the like there's his fingers compared yeah. to, you know, this tiny little snake. Yeah, so that's little. I don't know how you t- tail such a. Uh, that's but, scary, huh? But he's still got that, you know, the face, the face striping and stuff. I don't yeah. know how well you can see that, but, you know, just kind of the, the yeah. face striping and stuff. Really cool. Um, but, you know, cool little snakes. Um, yeah, that's better. I see it. Yeah. No, that is cool. Kind of check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then flip, you know, flip more tin, got a few, you know, smaller skinks. And so, um, this one was kind of neat though. It was, uh, one of those, I guess there, there's so many skinks in Australia. That oh, was yeah. Things, right. You know? Yeah. It's just like they're everywhere. But I, I really thought this one was just that belly was really pretty, yeah. you know, that bright yellow uh, belly. And then this is the top of it. Just kind of a brown stripey. That's cool gray stripey skink. Um, and yeah, I forgot, forgot which one that was. Um, then we got a more well-known, uh, skink, (laughs) an Eastern blue tongue. So that was neat. We ended up seeing a few of these both in New South Wales and in, um, South Australia. So 
they have a pretty, pretty good range, but yeah, this one was pretty neat. It was under some tin. Um, and <laughs> Rob, like, hey, I got a, got a skink and, and I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. I want to, you know, I started, so I started walking over and he puts it back under the tin. I'm like, oh, I want to see it. I want to get some pictures of this thing, but this was kind of the habitat kind of up in the highlands of the blue mountains. Um, you know, so, um, really, uh, fun to, fun to see a, a blue tongue in the wild for sure. Always, always neat to see that. And this was a pretty good size one and really a nice looking one as well. Mm-hmm. There's his, there's his blue out. tongue. Yeah. Yep. So that was cool. Um, they, they saw a, a bearded dragon, a coastal bearded dragon, but, uh, we didn't, didn't find it. They just kind of radioed and said, we just passed the bearded dragon. We looked all, you know, kind of along the road, but couldn't see it. So, yeah. But uh, nice, nice day of herping uh, out in the highlands there. And then we headed back and um, went out herping with Matt again, the one that showed me the wedge-tailed eagle nest. And we were road cruising this time and uh, found it was, again, a very cold and slow night. So we didn't see much, but this was uh, another lifer for me. And I was really excited to find a cow king out in Australia. <laughs> now this is the uh, bandy bandy <clears throat> another lapid like most most snakes in australia seem They're to be lapids, lapids. Yeah. yeah yeah and uh but just that bright you know black and white uh cow king looking yeah, it is a very cow king looking snake <laughs> right? i was like it is a cow king it's not a cow king <laughs> yeah it's they're um let's see that they're they're specialist feeders on blind snakes so they pretty much only eat blind snakes which is kind of a crazy so um, everyone in australia keeps one um no they're yeah, very I difficult know. to keep because okay. yeah <laughs> you're being facetious yeah i am <laughs> doctor i am but they have you know kind of more of a stubby face compared to yeah like cow king or whatever but yeah very very similar in patterning you know it's kind of kind of interesting to see, you know, the those uh, evolutionary uh, whatever similarities in patterns and things like that. Another snake eater, right? Oh my kind god! Homologous, homologous well, traits. Is that what that would be? There you go. So, and and they have kind of an interesting uh, defense display. So we kind of. Uh, poke this one a bit to get it to <laughs> to to do its defense display um let me get a good shot of that but they they just let me see if my description will fit what you're gonna see here but they, they raise up their a couple coils off the ground and kind of raise them up to the sky so they almost look like the golden arches there when they're hmm. i'm not sure what is scared off by that or like how that uh how that really um deters a predator or something but uh because i'm like yeah i don't i don't see that really scaring off an it owl summons ronald like mcdonald it summons ronald mcdonald <laughs> and he ronald and he fucks everything up <laughs> he stomps on <gasps> with his big clown shoes <laughs> yeah but so this one was yeah this is <laughs> this is like a you know full display mode for, Man, that's for pretty cool bandy bandy yeah, was, yeah i was really hoping to that it would do this and i could get you know a shot of it uh displaying so kind of funny but really a, a neat snake, you know, mm-hmm. it was good to see anything you know, just because it was such it a was slow soon. night. Yeah. 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 But it was, it was fun to herp with Matt. He's, he was a really a knowledgeable guy. He, he's not really necessarily a straight herper, but he has a lot of experience with a lot of different uh, mm-hmm. reptiles. 
Um, we went back the next day up into the highlands with Colin and Matt and went up uh, looking for alpine blue tongues. So it was, it was kind of a cool thing. We were up in the like almost like cow fields or, or here's some, um, some of the habitat, you know, just, just like grasslands. And um, so really kind of like where I grew up, I guess, you know, just kind of fields and grassland and trees. So this is, this is that area there. Um, We actually, jumped another fence, um, to go look and there was this, uh, old broken down shed and there was tin laying all over. So we jumped the fence and went and we're flipping tin and there were a bunch of cows and they kind of like were getting scared off and then they'd come back to check us out. And then we heard all these dogs barking up the hill and we're like, Oh, what's, you know, what's going on there? And, and, uh, and all of a sudden we heard a gunshot and we're like, it's time to go. Time to go. <laughs> Let's get out of here. So we uh, took off, but then um, we were able to find uh, kind of the target, um, which was the Alpine blue tongue. So we were driving by and I looked out on the shoulder of the road and I'm like, there's one right there. <laughs> like stop, you know? So I jump out of the car and as I'm jumping out of the car, I knock my big camera uh, onto the ground and it like kind of I'm like oh no did I just break my camera but I guess uh, it's worth it to see a <laughs> blue tongue you know uh, another lifer and did you break um, your camera it didn't end up breaking so that was good I guess they're pretty <sighs> tough so I was very happy it wasn't Son broken but, gun. yeah so we were running back to to see this thing and and uh and um the air Matt I'm, I'm like, it's right there, you know, cause I was trying to grab my camera. I'm like, it's right there. And Matt ran right past it. <laughs> so that was kind of funny, but, uh, missed, missed the whole thing. But, <laughs> um, here's probably one of my favorite pictures of, of, we, we actually ended up finding three of them on the day. So that was pretty cool. But this one had yeah, some good. nice orange on its face yeah. and yeah, that turned out like to be that, a nice picture. I feel like I could see that hanging in, uh, hanging in the, uh, Hanging in the museum or something, you know, in Arizona. <laughs> there you go. You know, <laughs> yeah, perfect like print a, picture, like right. Yeah, it's a it's a nice nice shot for sure. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, that was it was fun to see those and to kind of um, see see their habitat in the wild, and that was that was a quite a thrill. Glad we could find a few of those. So, um, and then. We did, you know, a little bit more herping around some rocks. We found, we saw some um, Cunningham skinks that were very shy and very hard to approach. That's where the long lens comes in handy, you know, to zoom in. And then, uh, so after we, you know, herped that area and found the the Alpine blue tongues, we headed back uh, quickly because I found out my flight was leaving two hours before I thought it was. (laughs) So I had the wrong time in my head. It was like a, it said 18, 18 o'clock. And I was thinking that was eight o'clock instead of six o'clock. And so just not, you know, using my brain again. And uh, so we're rushing to the airport and then I get a text saying your plane has been delayed. And, and so I'm like, okay, well not quite the rush. And we get there and, and uh, in plenty of time. And then of course my plane's delayed a couple hours. So just waiting there. And so, um, <clears throat> but we, so I flew to South, 
South Australia and uh, I'd rented a car. So I just picked up the car and drove to Steve Crawford's house and um, got to check out his collection there in Adelaide. Um, he had quite, quite an, an amazing collection. He has all the Australian pythons. Um, so he's got, got um, every stinking one of them. So it was kind of cool to see all of the Australian pythons in one, one collection. But, and uh, I felt a little bad cause you know, I'd already seen the, uh, seen the, um, gosh, I need to figure out how to get the, locality out of the, the the pictures there but anyway oh, yeah. He, yeah so got to hold another owen pelly python there at his house and and see that so that was pretty cool um but awesome stuff yeah let me see if i can find another way to do this but so uh we stayed the night at and this is where jordan we you know jordan was so uh got this met is up where with, you guys met, met up, up with up. him. Yep, and and he had been there uh, for a few hours more than I had, so he got there earlier or in the afternoon. He had some crazy flight stories as well. They held one of the flights in New Zealand for him, so he could run and make it just in time, you know, as wow. they were closing the doors. And so, kind of a crazy travel experience for both of us there. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty crazy. Um, yeah. But it was uh, good to good to be back in, and or good to kind of explore a new area. So yeah. I had never been to uh, to South Australia before, and I guess the target of the trip was the um, carpet pythons in the Gammon Ranges, and so we were really hoping to see um, see a carpet, and gave it our best shot, and spent most of our time where where we might find them. <laughs> so that was kind of crazy but and so the first first couple of days we spent with uh um steve and his friend sean that uh, was a gecko or a lizard researcher in in south australia he was looking at like fire recolonization and stuff like that how how fires affect uh, different lizard populations so he was very knowledgeable on all the uh, species that we saw there we had a quick stop at one of his uh, tin sites and so um, first, first tin I flipped was this gorgeous, uh, shingleback skink that was like golden colored and just really beautiful. Um, let's see, I'll get, get a picture of that up, but I was, I was pretty excited because this was kind of the, the goal or the, the type of shingleback I wanted to see. Um, was this golden, you know, yellowy thing. Yeah. And it was like the first one that we, that we found. So, um, we ended up seeing about 40 shinglebacks on this trip and we never, never stopped stopping for them. Like that was always an automatic stop, but really cool. This, this ground cover was neat. This was just wild natural ground cover there. And so to see this skink in that, you know, habitat was a really cool thing. Um, but yeah, the, the, we, there were two, two different shinglebacks at this site. Um, yeah, I took a ton of pictures of them, but, um, yeah, really cool looking skinks for sure. But just, I don't know. It's hard to not be excited about Mm -hmm. a shingleback skink. (laughs) They're so cool. And, uh, yeah, we, we never got sick of seeing them. If we were driving along and one was crossing the road, we always stopped for it. Um, this was another interesting, 
um, lizard, another small skink. And again, Sean, I'm sorry that I've forgotten uh, the name of it off the top of my head, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a Larista, but it only has these back legs. It doesn't have front legs. So it's kind of a weird, weird little deal, but neat, neat looking animal for sure. Um, so we, we headed North, went to, you know, another big tin spot where flipped a bunch of stuff, a few geckos, a bunch of shinglebacks again, a couple pairs of shinglebacks, got a little bearded dragon. Um, so found a baby shingleback that was about as cute as you can get and pretty, uh, fun. So a lot of binos, geckos and gahira. I can't remember which species of gahira. There were three different gahira species that we found on the trip. So, but they're neat looking geckos as well. So really uh, a cool spot. We were hoping to see maybe uh king brown or a mulga snake as they're called. And we didn't end up seeing any snakes at this spot. It was actually very slow trip for snakes. So aside from the new South Wales, the, the tiger and the Australian copperhead. Um, we only saw two snakes in South Australia. So kind of crazy. Um, yeah. It, I think it was just the weather. It was very cold at night. It would drop down into the forties and close to freezing some nights. It was really low. So that kind of put a damper on a lot of the things, but the, the gorges were incredible. Um, just, I mean, it kind of reminded me a lot of Southern Utah. Like it's mm-hmm. really, uh, uh, cool to, to be out there in the, in the gorges. Yeah. Just that kind of, sandstone and, mm-hmm. and the, the rocks and stuff. But so this was the habitat we were looking in and this is where, you know, carpet pythons have been found. So we were just kind of making our way through the different uh, sites where with their, where they've been recorded and reported. So, yep. But yeah, unfortunately, spoiler alert, we didn't find any carpet pythons, <laughs> um, but we gave it our best effort. Um, that, that gorge I was showing you there, there was like a, a shingle back that was kind of trapped in this pool and the, the slick rock on the way out was too slippery. So it couldn't crawl out. And actually when I went to pull it out of there, it like displayed and slid down into the water. (laughs) So it was kind of, kind of comical, but, um, we, uh, got that thing out of the, the, uh, water. You can actually see, um, the, the water stains or whatever. I don't know how long it was in there, but it, it had kind of that look or the water stain on its back. You know, you can see it was about halfway underwater. And so the back half was all dark and this was right after I'd pulled it out of the water, but yeah, you could see it was kind of, uh, its pattern was obscured by sitting in the water for too long. So he displayed for us nicely, but I, I hope he was happy to be out of his little predicament there. I <laughs> don't know how he would have gotten out otherwise. So yeah. probably would have come back a, a few weeks later and found a shingleback skeleton or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, our count of DOR blue, uh, shinglebacks was actually less than our live count. So that was good. Hey, that's a, that's yeah. a nice, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, hit a, hit another gorge the next day, um, alligator gorge, which was pre- or that night, actually we went to alligator gorge, um, and then it was, it was a really cool spot. Um, here's the, the group, um, that we were with, with, uh, Sean and, and, um, Steve and Jordan. Um, 
gosh, I'm slow with this. Uh, so here's, here's us in alligator gorge, the, uh, the crew. So <laughs> it was, uh, fun herping with these guys. They were, they were really good to herp with. And then the gorges just were gorgeous, <laughs> mm-hmm. gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, so, you know, we, we had a lot of, a lot of different, uh, time in the gorges and lots of, I'll be posting photos and stuff. Um, saw some, another lifer that was cool for me, um, because I keep these in my herp room. Uh, so we got a tree skink, Egernia striolata out on the rocks. So kind of cool to, I mean, he wasn't living in a tree, so he's kind of not really embracing his, his name, but. It's cool to see a bunch of tree skinks in on the trip. This was definitely a skink trip. There were so many different skink species and things like that. So, um, so as we came up out of Alligator Gorge, uh, the guys were like, because we uh, they they split off. They went out up earlier um, to the uh, car or the the parking lot, and Jordan and I went down another section of the called the narrows or something so we went through a narrow gorge and then we hiked up a different route back out and so when we got up to the top they're like where have you guys been there's a there's a big lace monitor over here and just hanging out and so we got to chase this lace monitor around take some pictures and stuff like that so nice to see a big monitor get i think this was jordan's first live lace monitor i believe or his first live monitor in australia so that was kind of cool but we had some extra like meat or something from the night before. And so the guys threw him uh, a couple pieces of meat. So we got to watch him, you know, chuck back some meat. Uh, that was pretty cool. Always need to see a monitor in the wild. Right. Especially when he's chucking meat, chucking meat. We went to uh, the next spot that was Wilpina pound. And that was a really cool area. I think I could take uh, Heidi and the kids back to that spot, but um, again, no carpets, but we did spot um, some cool lizards. This was a um, uh, uh, what species of dragon? Some dragon species. <laughs> I'm so well prepared for this. Was, it's all right. <laughs> yeah, um, but really a pretty, cool. pretty lizard. Yeah, yellow stripes on the face, kind of a blue body. Um, really uh, a neat thing. Um, I think we. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm embarrassed how underprepared I am for this, but lots of, uh, cool, um, dragons that are endemic to South Australia. So we got to see quite a few different things. We saw some earless dragons, which were neat. Um, a lot of bearded dragons, uh, out there. I feel really bad cause we were, um, we saw one in the road. And so we stop, you know, we're running back to get it out of the road and hear these cars coming and we're like, Oh crap, you know, like, and then the cars see us on the side of the road and kind of swerve out. And the first car just totally tags that bearded dragon, just runs it over. I'm like, gosh, dang it. We, if we, you know, if we wouldn't have got out of the car, would they have hit it? You know, it was kind of one of those things like where we almost caused them to swerve into the other lane around us and then hit the dragon. So it was kind of a bummer to see that, but here's a, a very live dragon up in the tree. Um, we, there was no shortage of bearded dragons out there. I, yeah. I probably took 15 off the road. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but we took, you know, got quite a few off the road. Um, and some that wanted to 
climb up in the wheel well. <laughs> like he, I, we stopped for one that was in the road and I went over to get it and it ran under the car. And so I'm looking under the car and I can't see it. And we're like, where did it, oh, I hope it didn't crawl into the engine or something. And, and we're looking under and Jordan noticed the, the belly pattern through like the, the wheel, you know, the, the little mm-hmm. holes in the wheel. And, and so I reached around and grabbed it and pulled it out of there. And then I took it up on the bank of the road and was taking more pictures and it ran right back in, under the car into the wheel. So it's like determined to hang out in our wheel well. But yeah, there were quite a few different, uh, or we saw quite a few bearded dragons. It was interesting too, because you'd see them on the road and there'd be bright yellow or, you know, orangey colored. And then you'd, stop and run back and disturb them. And then they turn that brown black color. So it was kind of crazy. Um, we got over into the gammon ranges, um, did, you know, saw a beast of a shingle back, like on the drive in, it was really a, like kind of an old male just trucking along in the middle of the, you know, heat of the day. Um, and it was, it was fairly warm that day. So yeah, but he was, pretty cool just this big old beast and just right in the middle of the road so we got him off the road and continued on but um into the gammon ranges and uh lots of cool birds you know more skiing so we i got another lifer there which was really cool um jordan spotted this guy out herping and this was kind of on on uh, brand for the trip we were looking for knobtail geckos and this was about as close as we came. Um, got a, an underwoodosaurus, a thick-tailed gecko. So that was pretty cool. Nice milleye. And it was really a pretty pretty gecko. So took a few pictures of that. But um, good to see something moving because it was pretty slow. We did get a farina, a what, moon snake, um, just before this. And we saw a banded sand swimmer but didn't get any pictures of it. So, But it was uh, you know good to see something moving. And then, yeah, herping the gorges, seeing uh, yellow-footed rock wallabies. That was pretty cool. Tons of binos, geckos, and uh, gahira. A bunch of goat skulls as well. And then um, we were walking through this gorge, and I was, I, I was, uh, I heard this big noise, and I'm like, that's that's gotta be a a carpet python. Like, you know, that's about the biggest thing out here that we're going to find. And I'm thinking, okay, just around here somewhere, there's going to be a carpet python, but I'm, um, I I don't know, unfortunately, but it was, it was not a carpet, but it was a pair of uh, these little spiky creatures, (laughs) echidnas. So Jordan was pretty psyched because he really wanted to see an echidna um, on the trip. So we did get, uh, get to see see two of these that night and i was a little disappointed that it wasn't a carpet but that was a cool consolation prize i suppose um all right you know just a lot of hiking i think we did about 90 miles over the two weeks um we went up uh we (laughs) spent about five hours driving and got to the spot where um several womas had been found and we pulled over on the side of the road cause it's just like rabbit burrows everywhere. And we saw this giant, you know, um, pattern in the sand of a snake that had crawled through there. 
And so we're like, oh, this is going to be good. And and we road cruised after, you know, we were there just before dusk and, and road cruised for a couple hours after dark and saw a couple geckos. One was a, another lifer for me. So that was nice to, to get another species of gecko. Um, it was a diplodactylus, um, pretty cool little thing, but oops, that was not right. Anyway, got to see, you know, an, another new gecko species and then um, pretty much admitted defeat, didn't see Woma and drove back uh, to the Airbnb. Um, we stayed at, um, in the Gammon Ranges. Uh, on the way out of the Gammons, the next day, we got a pretty cool um, monitor lizard, a Gouldii, which is... Um, it was an impressive one too. It was probably as big as you can get as far as the Gouldy I go. Really pretty. Um, it went down into this culvert. So I had to crawl on my belly into the culvert and try to chase it out the other side. So we could get some better pictures of it, but that was pretty fun to, to see a big, another big monitor lizard. Um, and yeah, just, uh, more shinglebacks. There was a pair of shinglebacks in the road and I, uh, somehow got the tire right between them. So I didn't hit either one of them, but it was a really close call. And it was probably the, the nicest uh, shingleback we saw. On, well, the reddest, I guess you could say shingleback we saw on the trip. And the, of course the pictures don't do it justice, but uh, it was quite the, uh, a, a nice looking animal, just really red and yellow. So that was pretty sweet to, to see that. And so the next two targets were both knobtail geckos. We wanted to see um, the uh, Nefuris delini, which is the Pernati lagoon knobtail. And we spent several hours in the area where, where, you know, you, I, Sean was saying he's found a bunch of them there and we walked around in the dunes. We drove the road and saw nothing, but the temperatures were down like, 15 degrees Celsius. So 14 degrees Celsius, I think it got down to 12 and we're just like, yeah, we're not seeing anything. <laughs> so we saw pretty much nothing that night. Um, the, the next day was, uh, we were in Wyala area and went and, um, were able to see, um, we were scanning rocks. It was again, a cold morning, cloudy overcast. And, and then the sun kind of peeked through and started heating things up and Jordan spotted uh Gigi skink, on the rock. And so we got to actually see, uh, so, so I was trying to get up closer after we'd taken a few distant shots, I was uh, trying to get up closer to see him. And there was actually another one just right around the corner from this one. So we got to see two of those, which was nice because that was another lifer and a big target for that area. So it was cool, but this is the best shot I got with my uh, iPhone just in the crack as he was hanging out there. Actually, looks like there might be another one behind him. You see that scales there. <laughs> Maybe I got two for one there and or three for one because the other one was around the corner. So that was kind of cool. Um, and I didn't notice that before. So anyway, we went out and looked. Uh, we were headed to the Stellatus area and cruised that road. And we um, probably found one of the big highlights of the trip. Uh, it's one that I'd seen before, but uh, but. Um, new for Jordan, but I hadn't seen one for 10 years. So, and regardless, uh, it's always good to see these guys, but 
Um, we got a Moloch, a thorny devil. So such cool lizards. Yep. No comments about how cool that is. Come on, Chuck. You fall asleep. It's there. cool. No, I'm here. I'm I'm <laughs> muted. I'm letting you uh, narrate the the trip, man. I'm, okay. Well, it's it's much better with your commentary. <laughs> I, I don't know that that's true. Oh, I don't no, know that anybody feels that way. Nobody just you. wants to hear me drone on. <laughs> no, that's not true. What? <laughs> so we got another uh, another few shinglebacks on the road. A couple more Goulds monitors, and then finally another snake, which was uh, pretty cool this was only snake number two and the last snake we would see on the trip but it was a good one it was a big mulga uh king brown so that was that was cool to see and uh he flared up his hood all that kind of stuff um so it was pretty cool that was kind of the the view we had of him as we got out of the car and ran over there but an impressive it was a pretty good size too and uh it was crawling by me and i couldn't resist i had to try out my Australian tailing technique. <laughs> so, but yeah, he got up in this, in his logs and was displaying and stuff. It was pretty cool. So, but that uh, pretty much ended the, the trip. We headed back towards um, uh, Steve's house and, and found a few more, you know, shinglebacks and geckos and things on the way. And that was basically the trip. So, Pretty, uh, pretty good trip. Yeah. I definitely want to make it back to that area. It was, uh, really nice. <laughs> and I want to give it another go for the, yeah. the target species. But, yeah. 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 Uh, maybe you got to plan the, I mean, I guess, you know, you, you, for a trip over like that, you don't necessarily get to pick the timing because of the, yeah. The you know the talk and the, the talk yeah, that and all that, be, but you know yeah. I mean still like you saw a lot of cool stuff for you know yeah yeah I mean I I can't complain at all yeah, I, yeah. and and several new species that I hadn't seen before and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff so it was yeah it was a lot of fun and and herping with Jordan and Steve yeah. and Sean I mean Jordan is like we are kin kindred spirits we're only like twelve yeah. days apart from you know like we were born the same month same year you know just like yeah. we herp have a very similar herping style and and so it worked out really nice and yeah. he's very knowledgeable so i just i mean i seriously just could sit back and listen to his stories and you know things he's found and the way he's found them and the knowledge he's gained through that. I mean, you know, you, you've worked with him. Yeah. He's, he's a really just a cool guy. Solid as hell. Yeah. Easy going, like doesn't, (laughs) doesn't ever get mad or upset or, you know, fussy about anything. He's just even keeled. Just, yeah. So that was a, that was probably one of the best parts. I was so glad he, he decided to come on the trip with me. So that was really fun. Legit. And just made it, made it great. That's Um, it. Yep, stat sig. There we go. Well, that was uh, that was the recap <laughs> of all the travels. Nice. Um, hopefully, it wasn't too disjointed and boring. But no, that was good times. But yeah, next time you'll have to get over there with us. Twenty twenty five. I know. I, I, know. I, need I to go I, for your birthday. I I don't know that I'm I'm gonna do South Wait, Australia uh, for my birthday. Oh, I think okay. we're gonna do uh, like Western Australia or somewhere where okay the, the herping might be a little little easier, a little more uh, uh, reliable, I guess, or, yeah. or bountiful, <laughs> whatever you want to say there. But 
Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm thinking Western Australia. You're going so. warmer climate, warmer. Yeah, warmer time of year. Cater, I think cater to the needs of the target. Yeah, and I know that uh, you know March is not a bad time to herp in Western Australia. You can find a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Out there, so yeah, should be that would be, be an epic. That would be an epic trip. Yep. Yeah, I'll try to. I'm trying to figure out how to do the logistics and you know, assuming anybody comes, I might be out right. there by myself. You know, but no. <laughs> hopefully, we'll have a few I people feel, join. I feel like I feel like I feel like if you if you can manufacture the the reason, you will get people to go. You know? I hope so. what? Yeah. Fucking <laughs> Australia with Justin for his birthday. <laughs> yeah, I'm there. You know I, what I mean? I just all need day an excuse, long. right? Yeah. yeah I excuse. Any one of our friends would be like, yeah. Yeah, say no more. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it should be fun. And and I guess, you know, with a big, big group, you know, it might be difficult. Yeah. We'll just kind of, here's the plan. But, but you, know, you know, you're welcome like, to branch out and go see different areas or go do different out. Like, so yeah. it's like, yeah. nobody can say there hasn't been advance yeah. notice. Like, <laughs> like, if you don't go, cool, man, don't go. But like, you can't be like, oh, it was too no, short notice enough. for me. Yeah. And, you know, I need to plan these things. <laughs> I need to plan this four years in advance, yeah, not exactly. just three years. Yeah. So uh, we'll see, but I don't know. I, I do need to make it back to South Australia and give it another go when it's a little warmer, a little uh, better for conditions for the stuff I'm, I'm looking for, but yeah. Yeah. Happy with you. the stuff we saw. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. We, we, I feel like we need to fight about something, but um Sure. We, we might save this for, for another time, but we could probably just talk about it shortly and introduce it. Um, but I, the guys were talking on carpets and coffee about small versus large males. And yeah, you know, and I was thinking, ah, oh, there's some things that, you know, maybe they're not hitting I, on where I definitely have some, I definitely have yeah. some, you know, yeah. Thoughts on feelings that. on small males. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's yeah. flip the coin and get fighting. Sure. So pros versus cons of a small yeah. male. Go yeah. Call uh, it. That's a, that's a, that's a heads. It is. It's hey. a head. You got it. All right. What do you like? You so wanna... I'm going to con small males. Okay. So you're going for large yeah. males or good. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, they kind of put up a lot of the arguments of why, Small males are better, you know. There. Do you want to just run through them a little bit, just yeah? Because so, yeah. I didn't. I haven't. I. I. This is news. Sure. Uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, kind of the 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 uh, things that everybody says, like a smaller male yeah. is going to be more active in breeding and going to be you know more reliable for breeding, and they're going to not be like a couch potato where they're just so fat and they can't get up and do anything. Um, now, I did hear something interesting about uh, the. Uh, it was, it was actually in regards to shinglebacks, but mm-hmm. um, somebody had their shinglebacks so fat that the male's tail, he couldn't get his hemipenes <laughs> to the female because his tail was in the way because it was so thick. So, you know, I guess if you're, you, you have an obese snake, then yeah. The, analogous, <laughs> to your, the, to the uh, analogous to you're too fat to see your own pee pee. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I think that definitely can happen in snakes, but you know, smaller males are not going to have that issue. And, you know, I think in, in our minds, we think, Oh, I've got X species that gets to 10 feet. And that's like maximum size and not mm-hmm. all individuals get to that size. And so average size is probably six feet. So, you know, we've mm-hmm. got this goal. Oh, I've got to get it to 10 feet. That's going to be the best time, you know, but no, really, you know, most things are about six feet. And yeah. Just great. This, in regards to like carpet pythons. So 
Um, so I can definitely see, you know, obesity and, you know, they're not going to be moving around as much, but I don't know. I find that my males don't really eat that much, especially during the breeding season when they're looking for females or can tell that females mm-hmm. are in the area. So I'm trying to feed them up and they just don't want to eat, you know, they're just mm-hmm. wanting to breed. So, um, I can see, you know, where that benefit of kind of a smaller, uh, skinnier male is going to help out in that regard. Mm-hmm. But um, so that's kind of the ideas that they were floating, you know, the, they're, they're more apt to breed They're and, and then they take up less space, you know, cause you don't mm-hmm. have some 10 foot male, <laughs> you know, you have a, a four foot or a five foot male or something. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> now I know Nick kind of goes to the extreme, the other end where he's got very tiny males, you know, mm-hmm. talking about his 300 gram, uh, green tree Python male, that's a proven breeder and bred several seasons or whatever. So, you know, there, you can go, go to the extreme as well and have very, very small males that are still potent and doing their job. Ball Python breeders probably try to get the smallest males as soon as they can, you know, cause, cause that more, if you got a hit on that money maker before it, you know, gets, gets old and the price goes down. So, you know, that I think there's a lot of people that want to push their males, um, too far to the small side, but Mm -hmm. you know, it can be done and you can breed small males and young males. And, yeah. and I guess that's one of the best things about the males is they don't need to be very large cause they're not producing eggs or sitting on eggs or anything like yeah. that. So, yeah. All right. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Um, no, good, good, good points. I mean, uh, and, 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 you know, I think, I think you, you kind of summed up the, um, the, the pros of a, a, a small male, uh, pretty well. I just think that it's, it's, you know, you, you obviously if you have a, a large, a larger male, a male that's, you know, older of size, isn't obese, isn't, you know, that they breed. Right. And, yeah. and we see from what you, what we would say archetypally is a correct size or what we, 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 uh, equate to a correct size for the age of the animal versus, you know, like Nick's, you know, tiny males that are still totally potent. So, so we see, you know, reproductive potency across size, no matter whether we're, you know, retarding the size of that snake um, mm-hmm. by, by restricting its caloric intake or whether we're not restricting. And, and so this is really about uh, uh, to me is, is really about a health and, and, um, and metabolic thing of how you're spooling the animal up, how you're spooling the animal down and how you're feeding. And, and I know you had said, you know, that, that we look to the, the 10 foot or what the max size is. Um, and I think, you know, obviously that's a mistake. Like we yeah. can't, you know, we can't do that. And, or, or that's not a healthy way to think of those animals because mm-hmm. th- that 10 foot snake is 25, 30 years old most likely in the wild. Right. Or it's, 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 you know, readily to a prey source that allows it to get that big and it suffers kind of the, you know, the, the high meat diet of an American Mm -hmm. and dies early. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's that trade off there. Well, there was, there was a report, you know, along those same lines, I just want to bring this up, but it was in, we put that in the first edition of the carpet book and probably in the second as well, but there was uh, Darwin carpets where uh, the brush tailed possums were becoming invasive in the area and they were eating more brush tailed possums. So they were Mm -hmm. getting 
larger. So you had these huge Darwin carpet males that, you know, you hadn't seen before and, and could take down a brush tailed possum, which is a yeah. pretty good size meal. So yeah. they were getting larger because of an, a new food item yeah. that was available to them. So, yeah. and, and I think, you know, in nature, um, you know, that, that size of a male matters, right? Yeah. Uh, in, in reproductive competition, that size matters. So generally speaking, the larger males of any species tend to be the ones who pass their genetics on. So, mm-hmm. you know, can, can, in an artificial world where we're making all these selections, can we keep it small and like and and leverage? So what we're talking about is leveraging all the advantage of keeping you know, to ourselves and keeping the animal in the best conditions possible for the way we're keeping it. Right. And I just don't think that that's maybe, you know, necessarily the best way to think about it. If you want to kind of keep in, in, in kind of a more holistic way, right. You, Mm -hmm. you don't want to restrict those, those calories and you want that, that kind of, as close to natural type of, you know, food cycling and things like that. Um, for me anyway, um, just because I think it, it sets up rhythms that I think help, um, cue the animal one, uh, keep the animal healthy, um, and, and can set up a pattern for, for what that animal will look like in its adult size. Right. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad you hit on that because I think that's one of the best arguments for your side is the, the competitive, you know, where, where you have combat and, mm-hmm. and, you know, the bigger male wins and he gets rights to go breed the female and things. That's not to say that smaller males don't slip in and, and yeah. get to the female while the big males are duking it out. You know, that's, that's documented as well. And so um, both strategies, uh, probably work, but if you're a big male and you're defending a female from multiple males and, and you get the rights to, to breed that female, I mean, and so it depends on the, the species or the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we, we know with certain things like, uh, Imbricata, um, Southwest carpet pythons where they, they have small males, you know, the males are dwarfed by the females and, mm-hmm. and that's a little bit for, to, to have them not compete with each other for prey sources and, um, as well as they don't fight, the males mm-hmm. don't fight. They just kind of hang out together and, and take their turns with the females. And so, um, that's, that's, I guess that depends on your reproductive strategy. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're one of those non-competitive males, I don't know that you need to be big in it. And so it's yeah. definitely species specific. So, definitely. Yeah. You can't yeah. say all males need to be big or all males need to be small, you know? And, and yeah. so I think no. if, if you've got a, a Darwin or a coastal or jungle or something where they do, you know, battle it out for the females, <laughs> you're probably going to want to have a good sized male in relation to your female. So he feels confident, like, mm-hmm. I can beat other males and I will. Now, of course, we're in a, an artificial, you know, captive setting. And so that might not apply as much. But sometimes if you've got a dud male, it might be because he's too small and he's intimidated or, you know, he yep. or, or he needs that that uh, um, stimulation from like a shed mm-hmm. skin from another male to get him get him, mm-hmm. you know pumped up to, to battle and to go after the female and stuff. So I think those things uh, are important to keep in mind uh, in, in a captive setting. You need to know their natural history. You need to know their reproductive strategy to, 
to do it, you know, the best. Yeah. And, and, and I kind of wonder like what, you know, I, I mean, obviously we, we talk a lot about like male on male combat and what, mm-hmm. you know, the winner of, of, a, of a male reproductive, you know, battle goes on to, but like, does the, do females make choice? Like, you know, you see some animals that just don't seem like, like they put them together and lock up instantly or something. Mm-hmm. You never see them or, like, you know, is, is, is the female have a ch- some preference? Yeah. Uh, and so like, you know, if you're sticking small males in there and that's the only male they ever see, like, okay, so yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the opportunity to breed, but maybe that's not my ideal mate. So, yeah. you know, maybe, um, you know, and, 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 and again, like in captivity and, 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 you know, breeding, uh, stocks, like th- that doesn't matter to us. Like we don't mm-hmm. care, you know, we, we can work around that and it, um, but, but, you know, and also I, I kind of wonder like, like Nick is Nick trending towards smaller carpets because, you know, his males are smaller and we kind of understand the epigenetics of, of mm-hmm successive years of, of lineages or, or, uh, you know, clutches of smaller animals tend to, to lead to, you know, smaller adults down the road, just because, uh, you're like, you're trending towards that, like yeah. Island stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's definitely a possibility where, you know, your, your actions and the, the animals that you're breeding could have an effect on future generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. I mean, uh, I think shine did some work on that. We called it the, what the silver spoon theory. And he, yeah. he tracked yeah. animals that were born in a hard year, a lean year versus animals that were born during copious amounts of food, good mm-hmm. water year, you know, that kind of thing. And he found that there was definite differences and that the animals that were larger had more feed, you know, that kind of thing. And, and you wonder like better. Yeah, as a, a, as, a male, as a as a male who's well fed and and has the energy stores, you know, am I you know, as as a as a as a dynamic biological machine, am mm-hmm. I better when I'm well nutriated, well fed and able to you know, carry out all of my metabolic functions because I'm intaking everything I need? Or am I in maintenance mode where, you know, I'm, I'm because I'm uh, what I am as an animal is extremely metabolically efficient. I have the capacity to shut down mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, play the long game. But is that bet like, does that make sense? Like it makes sense mm-hmm. to, for us and we yeah. think of it in terms of, you know, because this is a human centric thing that we do, mm-hmm. but does it make sense for them? I don't necessarily think it does. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think when, when we anthropomorphize, you know, in, in some ways, like, I, I don't know, I hear a lot of things about like, oh, exercise or, or movement, you know, but this is an ambush predator that's very highly efficient meant to sit around in one spot for a long time. You know, does it, do you really need to worry about that very much? I, and again, this is probably species specific. Yeah. And, you know, there's some animals that are just designed to be a slug and to be fat and sit on the ground and not move and just catch prey as it comes and, by, and, you know? Yeah. So, so and, and, gar- I, and guaranteed they don't just, just, I mean, they, they move enough to prevent muscle atrophy and mm-hmm. things. like, I mean, sure. you're, you're talking about like, you know, I'm sure, 
they have developed that ability to do that. So, oh yeah, and sometimes I, they move great distances. Right. You know, sometimes they're moving a long ways, and so you right. know there is that mix. But but, evolutionary but again, design in you know, context, yeah. in context, what we were yeah. talking about was the silver spoon, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. You and know. them faring better when they were larger. Right. So, so that was really my only point. I, I, yeah. I agree with you, um, but but I do think you know, um, as Shine so eloquently demonstrated, um, you know, there's something there to that. Yeah. Now, I I, I want to bring up something. So, for smaller males, like Rob Stone taught me something about he. You know, it's in his uh, some of some of the boas he keeps. And forgive mm-hmm. me, Rob, for not remembering which species. But he he'll this have is Jamaican boas. I can't remember which one it was, but he he'll have he you know he used to try to put a male in with the female, and, yeah. and he just realized the male was about doing himself in like just worn out and forgive me if I'm getting this wrong. I'm sure Rob will be screaming at the, <laughs> the you, you know, fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I don't but, uh, see doing that. <laughs> but it was like the males would get completely exhausted. And so he mm-hmm. started using multiple males and they basically kind of worked together to, to breed the female and to kind of, cause she was much larger and much more energetic mm-hmm. and things like that. So they had mm-hmm. a hard time keeping up with her. And so they about breed themselves into exhaustion or, um, so, um, you know, multiple males in, in that type of breeding strategy. So if you do have, you know, small males of a certain species, you might want to consider having more than, than one male and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, letting them kind of have that more naturalistic mode of, of breeding, I guess diamond pythons would fall into that too, where multiple males will court a female and they'll just kind of wait their turn and, and, you know, they don't combat and they don't fight with other males, at least, the majority of the time, it's not saying that it couldn't happen. You know, you, you might get a male that has a, an idea to, to start fighting, but for the most part, that's their breeding strategy, right? To have small, mm-hmm. they don't need to be huge. They, they don't need to fight each other. They just kind of that peaceful mode. And that tends to go with the, the more Southern ranging, at least in the Southern hemisphere, you know, the colder weather species mm-hmm. will often have non-competitive breeding strategies with smaller males. So like um, diamond pythons. Yep, diamond pythons, southwestern carpets. Yeah, those. They combat, don't they? Diamond pythons. I don't believe so. Not not no. commonly. I mean, they multiple males will hang around a female and they don't huh. fight each other. So, yeah, but not to say it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I possible, but I'm but, sure if there was a male who felt, yeah, felt yeah, like, like he, you know, yeah, I really want to, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a little too much coastal blood in there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's it's interesting too that, you know, you have that overlap of the southern coastals that combat and and you know, you'll hear them falling off of roofs and you know yeah. beating. Are you saying are you saying that the coastals are, are like to fight? Coastal males like to fight? Yeah, they do. And I'm saying yeah, that do. diamonds don't, but they yeah, come they from such close areas, you know, it's yes. like, are, are we sure they're the same species? Anyway. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. <laughs> depends on who you ask. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Their genetics are pretty divergent there between those Brisbane coastals and the diamonds, but at least might from have the to, one study that's. You know, might have to bring it back yeah. up with Scott again. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. He was yeah. having none of it. Yeah. And, and I'm curious to see what that group that, had fun with the Antaresia is going to do. Is that C of Aglia that did that? No, C of Aglia did the genetic work. The genetic work. Okay. They they did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 We'll see. Esquire or Esquire, whatever. Esquire. 
Yeah, that's the group that did the Antaresia. Oh, they're man. working on the carpets now, I've heard. So, uh, yeah. Cool. Oh, well, any other points you want to bring up? Uh, we're we're going on, uh, what is it? Yeah, we're getting hour, close to hour and 30 minutes. Hour and, or, yeah. yeah. Almost. Not our longest, but. That's but true. But close to um, yeah. <laughs> long winded. No, nah, sure. man, I, I, I think I hit everything. I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to be like, nope, I got nothing. And then when we get off, I'm like, oh, God damn it. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. But there, uh, yeah, there's yeah. definitely, definitely advantages on both sides, especially taking into account their natural history. And yeah. another plug to, to know about the animals that you keep and what they do in the wild. And, it, you know, if it's known and yeah. if it's not, maybe that's where we can make a contribution, any observations or things like that. And maybe that's what we're missing with certain species like. Papuan pythons where the females are notorious for eating the males. Maybe the male's too small or maybe you only have one male. You need multiple males to kind of overwhelm her or something. I don't know. You know, it's like one of those things where male size might be important for figuring out species like bolans or, and, you know, multiple males in bolans seems to be recommended as well. So mm-hmm. It's hard to hard to say, and it's a little hard to do when you've got a ten thousand dollars snake. Oh, I'll just get an extra mail, you know, <laughs> to throw in the mix, and or uh, yeah, but something to to think about, something to consider. I don't know. I I just got excited after I heard them talking about them. Like, wait, what about this? I want to mm-hmm. want to fight those guys. But I was I was listening to it after they'd recorded, not live, so I couldn't chime in with my smart Alec with your, with your snappy retorts there you go yeah. <laughs> all right well thanks for listening i apologize for the clunky nature of my uh report on my trip i should have been better prepared but hopefully uh, it was fun to listen to or good to see the pictures of the stuff we found and it was it was definitely fun to be back in australia so happy to Happy to have the opportunity to get back there. And thanks again to the Hawkesbury Herb Society, Colin South, for bringing me over and, and for, uh, you know, Steve for putting this up and, and, uh, you know, herping with us for a couple of days. That was a lot of fun to meet him. Man, that guy is a lover of Fraggle Rock. It's bizarre. Huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't just, see that statement coming. He just kept singing that song and it gets stuck in your head. I'm like, where did this come from? You just love Fra- Fraggle Rock, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Good Tell times. me you didn't watch Fraggle Rock as a kid. I We didn't have cable, so I I didn't have access to it. You're a you know. doozer. I know. I know. Blame my parents. <laughs> yeah. But I do know the show. Like, I think I've seen it. Yeah. I saw it when I was older, probably. The all-knowing trash heap? Are you <laughs> fucking kidding me? That's fucking yeah. hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah. Fraggle Rock. Steve Crawford there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was a good time. Good trip. So, And, always, of course, uh, thanks to Eric and Owen and the rest of the NPR crew for all they do and for letting us uh, record on under their umbrella and uh, for their friendship as well. It's, they're good people. So I think that's it. Anything else? Uh, Got nothing. Right. Hopefully we'll uh, see you soon for another episode of Reptile Fight Club. Party hardy, all you big males out there. Fight Club. <laughs>